0: All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we're excited. Uh, Pastor Justin is actually on a much-needed vacation. We praise the Lord that he's had the opportunity with his family to go and do some fun things. Um, but because of um, the relationship we have, we we have our family has grown. Last week was our first week to have our the group here, Pure Grace Church and Gospel Life Fellowship. We have now been merged in some kind of a spiritual Brady bunch, I think so now we are let's see pure gospel of grace church fellowship incorporated no leave that off um but we are grateful one of the fruits of having uh additions to our family we have strong brothers in the faith um we've already we've already been uh enjoying the fellowship we've had with brian danny where's he at got a haircut i didn't recognize you there he is our youth pastor, and we've, we've been uh, really blessed by seeing his heart and his hunger for God. And um, it's, it seems to be a family characteristic. His brother Ben is here, who's now joined with us. We are excited about Ben uh, and Ben and Buddy that were, that were leaders in gospel life, that are just leaders in the body of Christ is what it really boils down to. And so, um, in the, uh, like with Ryan, we, we're grateful for Ben and his, his willingness to search out the truths of God. Uh, sometimes a great cost but to find out what God says about things and understand his heart not be pressured into a corner so uh, he uh, was a speaker at our grace conference last year we really enjoyed hearing him then and so we get the privilege of hearing him today so brother Ben why don't you come and share with us
1: how's everybody doing this morning (laughs) praise the lord good deal Yep, this is our second Sunday together. I will say this, the only thing I really kind of miss, not that I have anything against Pure Grace, the name is our name is is the Gospel Life Fellowship. You know what I'm saying, but we're all on the same page. I love I love what we do. So we do kind of miss Gospel Life Fellowship. That was the only thing we're like, man, I wonder if we could convince them to change the name. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, we just it's good, but but I'm a, you're going to find, I'm going to give my testimony uh, this morning. And Brother Jessamon was like, yeah, it's kind of good to, can I give your testimony? And, I, you know, he didn't say, hey, I want you to give your testimony. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought it would be very helpful for you guys to get to kind of know me and my story. And I wrote a book on my testimony. It's called From the Latin Kings to the Pulpit. You can get it in the back back there. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding here. And... <laughs> You know, I was thinking about my testimony. I was like, man, there's really nothing flamboyant about my testimony, really. I mean, there was, uh, you know, there's not, usually when you hear testimony type things, it's always something wild, you know what I mean? From the iron lung to the pulpit. And, and I'm thinking, I'm like, from Theodore, Alabama to the pulpit. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And then the more I got to thinking about Theodore, I was like, you know what? That is miraculous. <laughs> man i' ought to write a book <laughs> but so but anyway, um I will say those of you that know me we 've known each other for years, I promise you there are some things in here you probably either have not heard in a long time or you've never heard at all, so there's some things in here, and it's going to be well my my goal is to kind of give you my testimony, but also my journey of how God brought me through where i 'm at today there are some a lot of there's a lot of really key lessons that Uh, It took some time for me to kind of get. And I will say this as a disclaimer. None of what I'm going to say is I wish God would have done it differently. I'm very thankful for the journey God's brought me. I'm not saying, hey, I wish God would have done something. I'm glad God did what he did because I I enjoy where I'm at. I used to always think the Christian life was about a destination. But it's really not. It's about enjoying the journey while you're here. So, you know, it's, it's not, well, one day, you know, I'll get... The abundant Christian life, it's right around the corner. If I just do this a little bit more, then one day it's going to happen. And the reality is it's about enjoying the journey that you're on and God brought you on. So you can kind of look back and you can see God's hand. Now, at the time, I didn't see it, but looking back now, I can kind of see how God's hand was working. So but let me pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much that you're just such an awesome Father. And Father, I don't know what brings everybody here this morning. I don't know their intent I don't know their needs, but, Lord, you do. And, Father, I just pray that we'll leave here celebrating a finished work, that we can understand that you are you, indiv- you are in each one of our individual stories. Your hand is there, regardless if we feel it, regardless if we understand it. We can, by faith, trust that you are there working, and sometimes, we, Lord, we just desperately need to feel your presence. And sometimes, Lord, it's not always felt, but, Lord, by faith, Lord, we can just trust that you're working. As I looked back this morning and as I reflected my journey of where you've kind of brought me through, Lord, I can't help but just have my heart filled and actually feel the joy of knowing that you were always with me, even those, in those times I didn't think you were, and it was confusion, Lord, I'm glad you've been able to bring clarity and context throughout my life. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for meeting with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me say this uh, about testimonies in general. Um, You might not know this, but each of you have a unique and interesting story. And due to Father's providential hand working through your life, Although we live in a society, or, or working in your life, although we live in a society and a culture that tells us we should aspire to be someone or something different, Father wants us to aspire to be uh, who he has uniquely made us to be. I mean, it's, it's, we look in our society, and our society is constantly telling us, and, and I will say this, even in, you know, evangelical circles, we, we even prescribe this idea that our prayer life, our Bible reading, our testimony, we need to constantly aspire to be something different. But Father tells us, look, I just want you to be comfortable in who I've designed you to be and be comfortable in your story that you, I have uniquely gifted you and I've uniquely brought you along a journey so you can look around and say, you know what? There's nobody like me. I'm unique and I'm comfortable with that and I'm satisfied with that. But let me go on here. I think each of us have a message that we have been gifted and commissioned to share. As I've reflected back on my testimony, I can see Father's providential hand in the moments of revelation that have helped me find my message. And that is Jesus is enough. I mean, I'm a one message person. If you hear me preach, if you don't come that Sunday, I can assure you... Somewhere along the lines, the message was Jesus was enough. Yes. What did Brother Ben preach on? Jesus was enough. <laughs> Jesus is enough. Jesus, I even want one person to tell me, he said, wait, man, you're all saying the same thing. I says, good. I don't, know, I don't know a better message to teach other than Jesus is enough. But we'll find that I mean, it took me quite a journey to kind of get there. But let me go on here. Because all this is kind of introduction, really. But... Just as the Father is leading and guiding in Revelation, I believe that Satan is trying to introduce lies to us, trying to get us to question Father's motives, Father's character, and His intent, and also He wants us to question who we are in Him. And along the line, I can see the times that not only I see the Spirit of God giving me revelation on some things, I can also see the devil working, trying to get me to believe lies that really affected my, and stunted, I would say, my growth to a certain extent. And things I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to do just never did work out. And uh, But let me go on here. So my early childhood in South Texas, amen, you probably never would have thought. I did say I, I lived in Theodore, I did. I was, I was born in Mobile, but after I was about a year old, we moved to South Texas. And um, I grew up in a loving I grew up with loving, hardworking parents, but we didn't go to church. And looking back, I, I kind of think that was almost a benefit to a certain extent for me. Because, I, you know, I, I, knew my, I knew my parents knew God. I knew that they cared about God. I knew they believed in God. Uh, one thing that kind of rings out in particular about my mom was I knew my mom believed in God I knew she highly respected of God, but one thing that that stuck out to me as a child was my mom's fear of God. My mom had a, just an overwhelming fear of God. I remember when I when I surrendered to ministry and I was going to church, and I remember my mom, you know, told me one time, and and it took it, it was a while later before I really understood why she did this. But she told me she says, "Look, she says I know you're you go to church and you're called to ministry." She says, "But I don't want you to get I don't want you to pray for me." Don't pray for me. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, look, I know I don't go to church, I know I drink, and I know I'm, I'm not a perfect person. But Me and God came to an understanding a long time ago, and I don't want you to pray for me. And I was like, why? She says, I'm afraid if you pray for me, God's going to kill me. And I thought to myself, wow, I never did quite understand what that was all about. Well, later, I, I, I did understand. When we were in South Texas, my, when my dad started a business... My uh, my mom's brother, my dad started a cabinet business. And by the way, I'm a cabinet maker. My mom's a cabinet maker. My dad's a cabinet maker. My uncles are cabinet makers. My aunts are cabinet makers. Guess what I do now as a living? No, no. What? no I'm just kidding. No, I, I, have a, I have a cabinet business. So we come from a line. We come from a line of cabinet makers. And I'm trying to teach my brother to do it, but he just just won't learn. I'm just. No, I'm just kidding. He's doing it. Doing a fantastic job, but anyway, my dad started a business in South Texas, and my my uncle came uh, to to uh, help my dad start the business, and they got the business off the ground. And and when my my uncle was 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 at before he moved to Texas, actually lived here in, in Theodore, and he had actually started going to church here, got saved, family got saved, and they were going to church. And when he moved to Texas, never really found a church, and just really kind of quit going to church, and. And, you know, his, his life kind of took a different turn. Well, after years of living there, um, you know, he, uh, my, 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 my grandfather passed away, and he was living here, and my uncle and my mom came here to his funeral. And on the way back, my uncle made the statement to my mother and says, what are you going to do if I die uh, if I die, how are you going to get me back here to Mobile so you can bury me next to Dad? And my mom was like, what are you talking about? Don't, don't, I don't, you don't talk like that. And he says, well, look, just what, if something was to happen, how are you going to get me back here and bury me next to Dad? And they're having this conversation from Mobile on the way to Texas, South Texas. Well, lo and behold, a week later, my uncle dies in a car accident. And my mom took that as... You know what, he didn't go to church anymore, and he used to go to church. And the lie was, God, if you don't, if you don't eventually submit your will to God, he's going to kill you. You see what I mean? And that lie, my mom, I believe to this day, still believes this to a certain extent. And this overwhelming fear that she had from God. Well, that kind of transpired to me to, uh, to a certain extent growing up. But let me go on here. But I will say this, the uncle that died was the first time I'd ever heard the gospel. I remember I was with him, and it's crazy. Out of all the things that I remember about him, this one, this one thing rings out. I remember riding with him because, you know, I think he had six kids at the time, so we, I was always going over and hanging out with the cousins. And I remember on a, on a van ride to his house, I remember he told me about Jesus, and I remember he witnessed to me. And I remember it plain as day, him telling me about Jesus. I was just a little guy, And I don't, I mean, I don't remember if I prayed or asked Jesus to save me, but I remember him giving me the gospel story. But anyway, later we moved back to Mobile, and my parents started uh, over rebuilding their lives from a failed business, a cabin business in Texas. Now, uh, due to us having most of our family, uh, or from my mom's side, living in the area, in this area, I was introduced to my aunt and my uncle that were Christians, and they were the only family that I remember growing up were, you know, they they were serious Christians. I mean, they went to church not just Sunday morning. But they went to church Sunday night, Wednesday. they were the weird people. You know what I mean? There were certain movies they didn't go watch. They dressed a certain way. I mean, they didn't use profanity ever, at least not in front of you. They didn't. I mean, these people were serious. And, uh, I mean, they were, I will say this, they were a great testimony. They were, because I, I, I'd never... I mean, I had never seen anybody that had a just a devotion and a dedication to God, you know, like like the way that they did. They would invite me to church sometimes, but uh, it was when I was fourteen. My uncle actually shared the gospel with me. We were coming back from a fishing trip, and he used the Jesus coming back any moment tactic. You know what I mean? And if you're not, he talked about the rapture and the end. I mean, it freaked me out. You know what I mean? and he didn't he didn't leave me in a prayer, but he just told me about accepting Jesus. well, something stuck with me, and it was the Holy Spirit working on me you know through that time and by, I think about two weeks later um i I just asked Jesus to save me, and I, he did and that's that's when I can honestly say for myself is when I trusted the Lord was at this moment uh you know and I, I could take you to the trailer you know what I mean over on you know Theodore, uh, so I guess that's the big thing, you know what I mean, from Theodore to the pulpit, you know what I mean, I trusted Lord and, and, and got saved, and I remember I calling my, I remember calling my uh, aunt uh, I think the next day, and says, hey, you won't believe what happened, and she's like, what? I said, man, I, tr- I trusted Jesus and got saved, she said, well, that's great, she said, man, you need to come to church with us and get baptized, and I find this a little bit providential, because the name of the church that I went to and got baptized and really started going to was named Grace Tabernacle, which is actually right down the road here. I find that a little bit providential because there's there's uh, the second church I started going to and its name was grace and I think to a certain extent at least for me in my story, I think that was the very beginning of the Lord kind of showing me you know what I mean that that there's 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 something unique about your message and something uh, 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 a track I'm going to put you on and it really started for me at Grace and uh, but anyway let's see here let me go on here you know after I got saved you know my church attendance was sporadic my parents didn't go to church I went as much as I could but one thing that did stick with me through my I was 14 when I got saved but kind of stuck with me is I always knew I was saved I remember even when people would come and. They were I think at one time, and I think Buddy remembers this. Where are you at? Remember that time we were we were skateboarding over off airport? And remember that guy came up and he was just some random dude. You know what I'm saying? And we were all skateboarding and uh, I remember he came up and he was just he was trying to catch an interest with us and talk with us. Well, at the very end of his conversation, we realized he was he was witnessing to us. And I remember he kind of, you know, he witnessed to us. And I remember in my mind thinking, you know what? I, I know what he's talking about. I'm saved. And I even told him that. I, I can't even remember what church he was from. But I remember, I remember, I remember always, re, I always knew I was saved. I always knew I had trusted Lord at this time. And even though my, you know, church attendance was sporadic. And, but anyway, let me go on here. My early teen years is when I met Buddy and life went downhill fast. <laughs> Things I never would have thought I would have tried. I was getting into. And, no, I'm just kidding we uh you know you know i would say buddy was probably my first real friendship i think i've ever really had you know you know what friendships are you don't lose a friend and um you know he we we've been through the te- he's really went through the test of time our relationship has you know the funniest thing is what drove us apart faster than anything else was religion religion you know I surrendered to preach and he surrendered to preach, and he went to one bible college and I went to the other bible college and and you know probably for i don 't know ten twelve years we never it was like our friendship was now it was it was there was something there we just we, we could not share we what drove us apart was religion in itself and even though we were in the same denomination, we just went to different bible colleges and and I remember probably about five years ago, grace just restored our friendship like never before. I can't even begin to explain it. But that's how you know that that's what grace is supposed to do. So it healed my relationship I had with God, but it also healed my relationship I had with Buddy. And was, that's a whole other thing in itself, but early teen years. After graduating from Theodore High School uh, in 97... I started to develop an unrest in me like I was out of place and I was really missing something. And I I remember, you know, as a senior and then graduating from high school, you know, it seemed like all anybody did was go to work, go party, get drunk, you know what I'm saying, and repeat the same thing every weekend. And I remember after a couple weeks of that, I would just look around and say, you know what, is this really... What it has all come down to is this is it right here. This is, you know what I mean? Just something in me just didn't set right. I was anxious. I was hungry. I just felt like I was not in the place I needed to be. Now, looking back, I know what that was, and that was the Spirit of God working in me. So I started looking for church, and I I started going to a church. The name of that church was called Grace Baptist, believe it or not. And there was a lot that went on there. I mean, I, I I I have a lot of gratitude towards the pastor. I have a lot of gratitude towards the people. Uh, I mean, I really I, I really started to uh, surrender. How should I say that To the idea that God had something bigger for me to do. That I was put on this earth for something a little bit more. And it was there I surrendered to go into the ministry. You know, worked in ministry. We had a van ministry, and and just we. Man, we were hard at it. That just kind of set the tone. It really helped me kind of just focus and just think about, you know what, man, there's, there's something more. God's got something more for me than, than just partying every weekend, getting drunk, and going in the same direction. And every now and then, I'll still run into people I went to high school with. It's like they never left high school. Everybody run into like that? It's like, man, did you ever leave high school? You're still there? I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? But, man, anyway, let me go on here. I want to get off on that rabbit trail, shoot it, but let me go on here. This unrest led me back to the church when I was 18. I started to attend a church called Grace Baptist, and there full-time ministry became an option to me, and I would later leave there and attend Bible college. Now, Bible college, I will say, was is what I would like to call law school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what Bible college was. You know, not only did I, I just, you know, I learned... More than anything, I didn't, I wouldn't say Bible college didn't get me to understand Jesus or myself any better. Bible Bible college really ascribed to me methodology when it comes to ministry, and man, did I learn it! And man, I, I I went there to get a plan, and I left with a plan. But but looking back, God didn't send me there to get methodology at Bible college. You know why He sent me there? She's sitting in this room right now my wife. And I look back and I'm thinking to myself, Man, God, why did you have to send me all the way to Indiana to find a good wife? But I found the best there is. I'll be honest with you. I cannot find a better wife than what I have. Not just because of just the things that she does, but just the person that she is. You know, after being married, I'll just stop and think. And I, I'm not very verbal, I should say, a lot of times. I don't take advantage of the opportunities to express to her the moments when, the you know, the Spirit of God brings somebody to your attention and you're just overwhelmed with gratitude and love and you're thinking, man, I need to call them and tell them this while I'm in the moment. I'm always not good at doing that. But man, the, I was so thankful that God crossed our paths because we just enjoy life and ministry together. And we actually did while we were in Bible college. I mean, apart from... We were just Bible college was busy. A typical Sunday for me at Bible college is I would wake up at four o'clock. I would go to a bus company, which was forty-five minutes away from the church, the the college I was at. Now the college was twenty minutes from the church, but all the ministry took place at the church. There was in Hammond, Indiana. So I would leave the college at you know like four thirty in the morning, go get a bus at six o'clock. Then I would drive that bus all the way back to the college, and I'd pick people up, the bus workers. And then I would drive them uh, all the way to Chicago, and then the, we would drop them off, and they would disperse to other routes. Now, the bus ministry I was a part of, we would, on an average Sunday, probably pick up anywhere between seven to 10,000 kids. That's how, that's, the, that's how big it was. So we would drop off the bus workers, then we would run our bus route, and we'd pick up all the bus kids, and we would drive 45 minutes back to the church, and we'd have Sunday morning church. And then we would load up all the kids, we'd drive back to Chicago, we'd drop off all the kids, and then we would stay in Chicago, have lunch, sell candy, you know what I mean, try not to get mugged, you know what I'm saying, hide under a bench, And no, I'm just kidding. Um, I did get shot at at Chicago actually once, and that's a whole other story, but anyhow, we would, then we would stay, and then we would pick kids up for Sunday night church, drive all the way back to Chicago. I mean, from Chicago all the way back to the church in Indiana. And then after Sunday night church was over, we'd drive all the way back to Chicago, drop off all the kids. And then I would drive the bus back to the bus company. And generally, I was home between 12 or 1 o'clock. And that was my Sunday. And, and I mean, that was, you know, that was it. That's how, that's how, that was ministry for us. Now, see, Buddy couldn't handle that kind of schedule. That's why he went to a different college, Right. <laughs> but right I will say this schedule taught me one thing it taught me to be very arrogant and judgmental. It taught me to feel like I was the we were the real dedicated ones trying to reach people for jesus um, but you know, going back to my wife, you know my, our college experience was good you know when we when we started dating in college, and this is this there's nothing spiritual from this you're going to get, but I just feel like I need to tell you guys this because I haven't told this in so, such a long time, but I'm going to let you guys know about it now, which is our engagement story. Anybody want to hear this? <laughs> so, the, where we got married there at the, at the church, you know, you had to, you know, there in Hammond, it was a large church, so we had to, you know, we had to schedule our wedding like a year and a half in advance. Well, in, in the process of doing that, I forgot to propose, so, so we kind of got the cart before the horse. I mean, we had the wedding date and the flowers. We had everything done except for actually sealing the deal, you know, with the ring, so, and, and Dawn's very extremely difficult and surprising. She's very intuitive. She's watching all the time. She doesn't miss a thing, and I love that to a certain extent, but in this case it was very difficult. So because now when you when you set a wedding date and you don't have a proposal, it tends to make the proposal not near as special. So I had to go way outside the the you know, I had to get very creative on how I was going to do this. So this was my plan. There in Chicago we had a zoo called the Lincoln Park Zoo. It was a very it was a free zoo and uh, you could go come and go. They had a, a scheduled time, but I said, you know, I thought to myself, you know, this 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 is what we're gonna do, and I even got my in-laws involved in this. And had I not, the plan would have worked. No, I'm just kidding. Now they were, no, they were gonna they were gonna take her and they were gonna take her to the zoo. I was gonna beat them there, probably an hour ahead of time, and I was gonna rent a gorilla costume. <laughs> you see where this is going? What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? I was going to wear a gorilla costume. So I printed off a bunch of flyers and my thought was, I'm going to stand in front of the zoo and people are going to be coming in and when I see her come, I'm going to start handing out flyers. Welcome to the Lincoln Park Zoo. Well, when it got to her, I was going to have a special flyer. And this flyer was going to say, "Will you marry me?" You know what I mean? Man, this that, that was my plan, foolproof. What could go wrong? So, I think it was sometime, it was in the summertime. I don't even know, was it June, July, and it's hot in Chicago in the summertime. So I, I, I got everything set up. I got somehow my in laws convinced her they're going to take her to the zoo with some kids, and she, she's not on the scent. I think she sensed something was off, but she didn't know what was off. I had to work. She wasn't expecting me to be there. I got off work. I lined up a gorilla costume. It was a place right around the corner from where I worked. I was going to get the costume. Rush two hours, get there. I, you know there was two entrances. There was a front entrance and a back entrance. I had to get to the front entrance. That's where the plan was, the front entrance. Well, when I called to get my no, when I went to get my gorilla costume, the lady wasn't there. You know I'm being in on the door, "Hey, help. Hey nobody's there." I'm like, "What? I, I had everything worked out." So then I had to get on the phone, and it wasn't like, Siri, find me a gorilla costume at that time. <laughs> I had to work for it. <laughs> I knew of one place in Chicago that had costumes, and I zoomed right to there. Only problem is, it took me about an hour out of the way. So I got there, and said, Give me a gorilla costume right now. I got to get, you know what I mean? Oh, hold on like a second, I got one. And then I, 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 the t- now the timing was completely off. I knew, I was like, Well, if I try to get there now, she's going to see me putting a gorilla costume on in the parking lot. I was like, What are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Wedding's off. I ain't marrying you, you crazy man. You know what I mean? So I had to change plans. I was like, well, I guess I could go to the back entrance. And then what I'll do is I'll walk around and try to find her. (laughs) So I go to the back entrance. And I go in the bathroom. And I come out a gorilla. And there's just something about walking around a zoo in a costume as a gorilla. People just think you're part of the attraction. So I, I got about 10 steps out of there, and I, right now there's a line. I'm not kidding you. A line of like 10, 15 people lined up getting their pictures with me. I'm just like, you know, you know what I mean? Now, I'm sitting there, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, Lord. So finally security pulls up, and they say, sir, what are you doing? I said, look, I had to pull up my gorilla costume helmet. I said, listen, I said, I don't have time to get into it, but he says, I'm trying to propose to my future wife, and I tried to tell him, I said, look, he said, all right, listen, all right, put your helmet back on, put your mask back on. He says, find her, whatever you got to do, but you can't be doing this too much longer. I was like, okay, but this was another crazy thing. When I came out, I had the flyers in my hand because, you know, gorilla costumes don't have pockets, you know what I mean? So I had them in my hand. So, I had people just grabbing flyers. So, I'm down to one flyer and it's "Will you marry me?" And a lot of most of them are women. You know what I mean? They're lying. So, I had to I had to like crumble it up and tuck it, you know, tuck it up on my sleeve. So, I, you know, and I laugh I laughed to this day cuz somewhere in somebody's, you know, what I mean, vacation book, there's a picture of me with them at the zoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Remember this honey back at the Lincoln Park Zoo? Remember that nice gorilla? You know what I mean? We took our picture. I have no idea. But anyway, so I think I roamed around aimlessly, looking like I was an extra from season six of The Walking Dead, because I was about, I was about, to, I was sweating bad. And eventually, we ran across paths. And I think at that point, I just handed you the ring. You know what I mean? It was, I was like, look, I have done enough. Here. And you want to know what she said? She said yes, in case you are wondering. But anyway. But anyway, so, well, we'll say this going back to Bible college and and everything. I want to mention this about denominational roadmaps and, and how to find God. You know, salvation, me and you, we all get saved the same way. It took me some time to really kind of understand this, but bear with me. You know, I got saved and you got saved because of one reason, and that's because of the Spirit of God. It wasn't—it wasn't a denominational's movement moving. It was the Spirit's moving. You know, when I was in college, it was kind of we were kind of told that we're the ones that are soul winners and go getters, and we're giving the gospel at all costs, You know, and and we really kind of ascribe to that. But at the end of the day. I trusted Christ the same reason, the way you trusted Christ, and that was because of the moving of the Holy Spirit. So now God will use, you know, God uses his spirit to get this done. I would, I would you know, I know sometimes we want to take credit for this. We want to say, ah, oh, you know, we, but at the end of the day, we don't need to make it anything other than the spirit of the moving of God. He invited us, and we said yes. But one thing that I've, I learned up from Bible college on up, is when I trusted the Lord, because it was the moving of the Spirit of God, when I started going to church, and, you know, the, a lot of times, either people or denominations will say, okay, well, now that you've trusted Christ, let me tell you how you find God. And a lot of times, in, fi- in a way of finding God, they give you a roadmap. And usually on that roadmap, there's, there's a lot of religious things that need to be done how you do them, what you're giving up, all these different things, that this is how that you're going to find God. And we get our roadmap, and we start on this journey. And a lot of times we get, some of us go years trying to follow this map, trying to find God, and it's not done anything to help us out at all. Until eventually we realize it's not about about a map, it's about a compass. It's the fact that God puts within us his spirit. And it was that. It was, and I didn't realize I was following the map, trying to, trying, 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 instead of just trusting that the Spirit of God was with me all this time and was even showing me and teaching me things. And it took later for me to realize, you know what? That was the Spirit of God showing me this. I didn't realize that. So, but anyway, many of us have trusted Christ, and before we could learn our identities and learn to rest in Christ we were given the roadmap, and some of us have followed it for years. And, uh, to, and some of us get a little bit down the road, and they just give up. We say, man, there ain't no way. There ain't no way at all. I realized that the Father gave me an internal compass, His Spirit, instead of the map to follow. Now, these lessons were revealed in my next stage of life. I like to call full-time Christian service or breaking the foundation. Now, let me see here. We've got about 12 minutes. So what time? We told me we used to get out here. Twelve o'clock. Table time? time? No, I've I've heard that before. I've realized that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And not all this is as bombastic as my uh, as my um, uh, proposal story. But anyway, so full time Christian service and breaking the foundations. Father led me back to Theodore with a job opportunity to work with a pastor that graduated from the same Bible college I did. And my guard was down and my hopes were high. I mean, this guy, I mean, you know, he hired me. I was able to come to my hometown. And the way I was always taught, and Buddy very much the same way, that you just don't question the pastor. The pastor's always got the best intentions. You don't question pay. You don't question schedule. You know what I mean? He's the man of God. He's out to look out for you. And you don't ever have to worry about the man of God. Now, many of us have have done the same thing. And many of us have been hurt with that type of high hopes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, hopes were high and your guard was what? Your guard was down. And you just said, yeah, man, I'm here. Use me. And he said, sure, come on. I got all kinds of stuff I need to put put you to do. And now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with doing things. You know what I mean? It's not. I mean, there's things that got to be done, but it's in the spirit and the intent of that. So let me go on here. I finally, it, it finally became what I, aspi- I it, what, finally what I what I aspired to become in full time Christian service had literally become a nightmare for me. To a certain, I mean, it, it just I, I can't get into everything, but I will say this: in my third year, I, or for the first three years, I worked and did not even have a day off at all, none whatsoever. Um, just worked every day. I mean, I was doing something. We were either building something, remodeling something, ministries were starting, and I was go, 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 go. And and I left a college that told me, this is we, we, we prepared you for this type of schedule, therefore, you know, I mean, don't complain. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what I did. Well, about my third year, I hit the wall. And looking back now, I, I was in full-blown depression. I went into a I just, when you're in ministry and you have to be put on a pedestal, you can't have problems like depression. You can't have any real problems. I mean, you can have problems, but you can't have any kind of real problems like that. Your guards, I mean, you, you, you've always got to be playing the role. You always got to be playing the part. If people are going to be looking to you to not, to have your problems solved. And, and oftentimes you got to try to go in and solve their problems. Well, my third year, man, I just, I I couldn't go anymore. So I literally had to take a step back and I went and started working. I went, I actually worked with my dad, I think for about a year and still did ministry, which really didn't so much help me. But what it did, what it did in me, I started to understand something is wrong. Something is not right. And what was happening is my foundation was starting to break down. And I realized this is why God had me there. For, for and and there was a time and, and I don't know if you've experienced this especially if you've been in the ministry you go through the very angry stage you don't openly tell people yet but deep down inside you go through some anger times you just like this system sucks you know what I mean this is cannot be what god was talking about when he said the abundant life you know what I mean you just and I, and sometimes you'll just pass that stage and you just blatantly just tell everybody, you suck, everything sucks, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I've, been, I've ministered to, to people that are, have been, are in that stage and are going through that stage. And I'm beginning to understand now why it was so important for me to personally go through this so I could help people through it as well. So, but let me go on here. Let's see here. But let me say this. Sometimes our greatest lessons come from our most painful situations, don't it? They just do. It's terrible that you have to go through pain, but it's, for whatever reason, lessons that, that you get from God, or should I say revelation you get from God through the hard times and the painful times, no man can take it from you. It's yours. You know, a lot, a lot of people say, man, when, when I made a change and a shift from what I was a part of, you know, people, it's, people always like to, you know, prescribe why you made this change. It's always some kind of selfish reason, or you retired of this, or you don't want to do this, or you compromised, but, and I used to let that bother me, but now I'm just like, you know what, I, can't, I don't even have time to explain this to you. I can't even begin to explain this to you. But the you, problem is you don't own this. This is something God gave me. This, Daddy gave this to me, and you can't take it. And, uh, but anyway, but our greatest lessons come through some of our most painful situations. My first three years, I already talked about this, going through depression. Now, you know, the, the, ultimately, the demands and expectations were completely just, they were so overwhelming. And, and just they never stopped. I always think of like Paul, you know, Romans chapter, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 7, 10, I like how Paul talks about this when he talks about law. He says, he says, in the commandment, which I was ordained to life, I found to be unto death for sin taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. And Paul was talking about, man, I was trying to live from law before this in chapter seven, he says, He says, look, you're no longer married to law. You're not married. You're married to another. You're married to Jesus. But he was talking about when, at one point, he was saying, listen, I was always taught that life was found in living by law and trying to live from law. He says, but you know what I learned through this? It killed me every time. And that's what was happening. This do-to-be mentality that I ascribe to have that was taught in ministry not only was it killing me, I was watching it kill other people. And that's probably what bothered me the most. Because inside, I was generally wanting to help people. But, man, I felt like I was, you know, you know, you feel like you're like one of those little water boats, you know. And the door comes down. You're like, go, go. And they're just getting mowed down. You know what I mean? Go, go, go. Come on, you're next. Go, go. That's what I felt like. You know what I mean? And 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 that's what I and, and after a time it just takes its toll and it's like, man, this something's wrong. Red flags going off. Or red lights going off. Not flags. They're just waving, right? Is that how that goes? <laughs> My desire was to help people and to disciple people, but I felt like all I did was set people up for failure. And what was happening is I was just handing them the same map. Here you go, man. This is how you find God. Go, 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 go. And, and I was just watching them. We, we would call it getting chewed up in the meat grinder. You know what I mean? They just get chewed up. Some of you have been chewed up. Some of you have seen that happen as well. But in the process of ministering, and like I said, not all this, I mean, the, the spirit, that's how awesome God is. And that is, he can, he can take these situations and show you some amazing things. And one thing I remember, I started a, uh, uh, I started, uh, I took, where well, I say, I started, started, but we had a program for addiction that was called Reformers Unanimous. And I remember I was told I was going to oversee this ministry along with all the other ministries that I did. And, you know, there was, in the training videos of this, there was probably like 13 hours of training videos we had to watch. There was a one last video and the guy that founded it, he taught a lesson out of Romans, and uh, he was uh, and, and and there was something he taught that man. This the spirit of God just boom. It just it just opened my eyes to something. And Romans chapter in in Romans chapter twelve verse two, he actually taught of this. He said this. He says, "And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God." Now, generally, up to that point, every time I would see that verse, it always had something to do with the will of God, and I always missed the other part. And it's how God deals with change. And here, he's saying this, that God is in the world of, or deals in the world of transformation, not conforming. And up until that point, I had had my master's degree in conforming. I knew how to conform. And, and the venue for change was in trying to get other people to conform, and I saw this firsthand in this addiction program, because we wouldn't even have we would have it on a Friday night, and because most people that struggled with addiction or what we would call a real problem, were never felt welcome to come to church on a Sunday, but they would come on a Friday night, so we would use Friday night as a way to get them ready to finally come to church on a Sunday. It was all wrapped around getting them entangled and involved in the church itself. Now, there's nothing wrong with church, but let me say this. Church is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. That's the goal. That's what we're here for. It's about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is enough. So at the end of the day, you can learn that on Friday. You can learn that on Saturday. You can learn that whenever father says you're ready to learn it. But I realized it was more than just getting them to come to a program at a church and then putting a Bible in their hand and putting a tie on and getting them the right clothes and getting them to listen to the right music and getting them to talk the right way. Are you following me here? All I knew, and it was just like, my mind blew. I knew it. I was like, man, this, why, why have I not seen this before? Why? Because I had never, never, we never talked about it. I knew how to conform, and I knew to try to conform others, but what I was lacking is the truths that bring and help us to understand transformation. And this is where grace comes in. And this is where identity comes in. And this is where new covenant comes in, is the fact is you don't do all these things, and then ultimately the finished product is transformation. When you met Jesus, you were transformed. And now you're learning what Jesus made you, and what he's recreated you to be. So I knew that conforming was wrong, but I still didn't quite understand transformation, though. There were still quite a bit of lessons I had to learn for that. But anyway, up until this point, everything, the key to my spiritual success, influence, and future was directly tied to the ability... uh, to serve until I read Luke 10. Man, this was, you talk about mind blowing. Luke chapter 10. And go ahead and turn to verses 38 through 42. And I'm going to have to end with this. Man, there's so much more after this, but I'm going to end with this. Now, keep in mind, at this time, I was still an associate pastor, still serving still doing and man God was showing me things and opening my mind to things and even though I mean deep down I was just like I was taking a step back from what you know the the normal venue but I was still there I was like okay God you got me here for something there's something you're and for a while I thought man you got me here to change things anybody been there you're gonna be a champion for change they're just going to share these things with people, and they're going to say, you know what? You're right, Brother Ben. Why did we not see this? And I thought, man, this is great, but I don't know about you, but my experience, that did that happen to you? No, it didn't. And Father says, hey, I brought you here to change you, for you to see some things, you see. But this, this right here, when I ran across this, I used to teach, a, we would do a soul winning meeting, and... We, uh, I would teach, and uh, I would teach the soul winning meeting and the bus meeting, and I don't know. I preached so many different meetings, and I did youth, and I don't think I ever did youth. I did kids. I do like kids. They taste like chicken, amen? <laughs> and so, but no, I'm just kidding. But we did kids, bus ministry, and I remember I was doing a soul winning meeting, and I was kind of prepared for this, and I, and I ran across this, and it was like the Spirit of God just said, man, this is you right here. But I love it. Luke, in verses 38 through 42, he says, Now it came to pass, as they went, and they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him unto her house. And, as, and, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? Think about that. This is somebody asking Jesus if he cares. You know what I mean? There's two times that Jesus was accused of not caring. This was one of those times, and the other time was when they were in the boat. Lord, dost thou not care that we what? Perish in this storm? I've been in the Gulf before and actually said that before, you know what I mean? But anyway, let me go on. He says, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered to send her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about with many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know, and, and, and Father just showed me, says, listen, you are comforted about with so much. He says, but the one thing that you're lacking is just me. That I'm here, I'm here to, to make this journey a lot more enjoyable than it needs to, than, than what you're experiencing now did I understand everything? Do I still understand no i don't, but I knew this. That was a very big turning point for me because I believe you know Martha was you know she, her intents were good, weren't they, and who was she serving in her mind she was serving who? Jesus, she was serving Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, I, look, I understand what you're trying to do. He says, but sit down, take a rest here, and just enjoy me. That's, that's all you got to worry about. We'll find food, we'll eat. You don't have to impress me. And it was funny because when I, when I left over there, and I started taking the liberty and time to kind of visit different churches and and I think me and, it's funny because me and Buddy, me and you was weirdest thing. We were on the same journey together. You were in Utah and I was here. And the same frustrations and aggravations we were dealing with, even though we were, I don't know how many hundreds and maybe thousands of miles apart, it was like, it was like we were struggling with the very same things. I, I as an associate pastor and him as a pastor. And I remember you shared with me that it was, a, it was like a six or seven part lesson about the grace walk. And man, I'm telling you, it was like, it was like you ever you ever watched the the uh, that movie? Oh, that's right. You're Christians. You don't watch movies, but <laughs> documentary. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, you know, what, I mean, Sherlock Holmes. You know, at the very end, when all the little bits and pieces of the puzzle all kind of come together, and, and now it all makes sense. That's how it was for me. There towards the end, and then all that anger and frustration that I had. It was like that's it. And just it was like almost. Trusting the Lord all over again. And now I wasn't, I'm, I'm still not angry about all the experiences, everything. If anything, I have empathy. I'm, I'm sad. I, I want help. And I, and, I, and I feel like I could I have the answer. And the answer is not me. The answer is Jesus. That's too simple, though. Man, we can't just be Jesus. we got to complicate this thing a little bit more. And there ain't near as much effort, energy, and money, and all this other kind of stuff. It's, it is Jesus. And that's what brings us together. Gospel Life Fellowship and Pure Grace, man, we're joined together as we're one in Christ. And it's not the facilities and any of that that brought us together. It's the message of, man, we share the commonality that we just, we firmly believe that it's Jesus and Him alone. You know what I mean? But I was going to say this, that I remember driving by when y'all, y'all must have just changed the name to Pure Grace. And I... What's that? Oh, yeah, y'all had a sign that says a place for grace. That's what it was. Just, and I think it's important for you guys to know this because it's kind of providential, but, and I drove by and I saw that and I was like, hmm, place for grace, huh? I was like, all right, let me find out if they're really a place for grace. So I went on, I went on the line, I read your grace manifesto and my hair was blown back. I was like, wow. I was like, man, they, that's it. I remember I come and I visited. I called Brother Mark. Actually, I sent him an email, and then he called me like that afternoon. Hey, man, I got your email, and we talked. And man, we enjoyed the fellowship. And I know I came a few times, but I knew at that particular time, it just as much as I we were on the same page. I had to let the Lord. I had to let the Lord work and do his do his work. And I knew wherever I was going, I knew I was at that time. I had ministered with people and was working with people. And I'm glad to finally see that we can bring things together because. I really believe this is very providential in so many ways and all the graces that i have that God has used to take me to that next step it's glad to be now at a place where we say it's it's pure grace and that's what we believe let's pray father we thank you so much and Lord just a little bit of what you've brought me through and what I've seen nothing really dramatic but father i if anything I just I'd love for everybody in here, I would love to be able to sit and hear everybody's journey because everybody's journey is unique and important and very personal. I'm glad to know that we don't serve a generic God that works in generic ways. I'm glad we serve a personal God that works in very personal ways. And Father, maybe something I've said, Lord, this morning if anything, has made us reflect a little bit about their individual journey, how they're uniquely gifted, maybe the message that you have inside them to share. And Father, I pray, if anything, give us that comfort and that place of rest to be able to just serve and to love and to be who you've made us to be. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so any more announcements?
0: Yeah, just a quick reminder. um, In the back... That table where Don waved Dawn, There's Dawn. Dawn is standing back there, as will be probably Jasmine and Carolyn at the back table for those interested in children's ministry or the cleaning team. And outside in the hallway is another table which will have Miss Melissa, my dear wife, out there um, helping you do orders if you want to pre-order for the spaghetti dinner for our Honduras fundraiser. All right. Thank you, Ben. We appreciate you, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so now you are dismissed.